What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily. Today is Monday, April 8th, 2019. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by the best hair in the business, Fran Mirabella III. Thanks, Andrea. What's up, best friends? How you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Mm-hmm. I had a very productive weekend. Yeah? I got all of my inboxes taken care wow. of and cleaned out from GDC and PAX. Still have a few lingering things for my taxes to do. Yes, I'm right there with you. Because that's coming up very quickly. But otherwise, really good. How was your weekend? I'm still recovering from being sick, believe it or not. I got sick I again after it. the show on Friday. I'm sorry to hear but, that. But uh, yeah, maybe I've been streaming a bit too, too much. I've been like yelling at the end of every night, obviously, in chat. And they're like, you should probably take a little break from that. So I did yesterday, and uh, I'm catching up on the Marvel uh, Universe stuff. So just to keep everybody up to date, nice. I just finished Homecoming. So Ragnarok, Ooh. I'm ready. Ragnarok is yeah. one of my faves. I watched Age of Ultron last night. Yeah. And I didn't realize is that Tony Stark drops an Endgame reference yeah. in Age of Ultron. I mean, oh, yeah. He actually used the word. Yeah. Yes, I noticed He's that, like, too. He's like, up there is the Endgame. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, foreshadowing. I, I appreciated <laughs> how far they had thought ahead, obviously. I mean, we knew that they did, but that it was built into the scripts. And anyway, I've been super excited. I can't believe it's only, what, two or three weeks away? Yeah, so yeah. soon. A little more Very pumped. Well, everybody, in case you forgot, this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, we are live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. If you are watching live, thank you for joining us this Monday morning. We'd appreciate it if you help keep us honest by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and let us know what we screwed up as we screwed it up. For all those folks watching on podcast services or listening on podcast services around the world and watching at youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. If you have yet to subscribe to either of our podcast or YouTube platforms, we would really appreciate that. Every little bit helps. Your vote matters is what I'm trying to say. Uh, if Agreed. you guys want to take it one step further to be part of the show, you can head to patreon.com slash games and submit your questions, your squad ups. If you have concerns, we'll listen to them too. And that is for silver members and above, I believe. No, mm-hmm. bronze members and above and silver members get the show ad free. Everybody mm-hmm. likes an ad-free and show, right? Where can they find uh, you if they want to support you, Andrew? Oh, Fran. Yeah. Um, you can find me at, at Andrea Renee on Twitter. You can listen to What's Good Games uh, on your favorite podcast platform of choice or at YouTube.com slash What's Good Games. Yeah, and Fran, uh, speaking of where people can find each yeah. other, I mean, obviously what you have a Twitch channel too. What a great question to ask. Well, <laughs> if you would like to support me as well, outside of uh, kind of funny right here is just head over to Twitch TV slash FM3 underscore. I stream all the time, a lot of time in the evening specific time, but uh, there is Fran Friday, which is at about 4 or 5 p.m. Pacific time on Fridays. So Exciting times, everybody. Monday plugs. Um, today, we're going to be talking about those Borderlands review bombing and some developers' response to the Sekiro debate from last week. But before we get to that, we want to say thank you to our Patreon producers, Tom Bach, Blackjack, James Davis, and Muhammad Muhammad. Today, the show is brought to you by Hims and Harry's, but we'll talk to you about that later. Um, just a little bit of housekeeping. Thank you so much to everybody who made it out to the New York Kind of Funny World Tour meetup. If you hadn't watched any of the guys' Instagram feeds or Twitter feeds. There's wow. tons of fun videos and photos, and I expect we'll see more over the coming weeks. But thank you to everybody who took the time to come out and see everybody. And hopefully you guys also checked out Greg on the WrestleMania YouTube watch along. Wow, it got super crazy. Did you tune in at all to I WrestleMania? I didn't get to see it, no. I it was, was recovering. It was wild. Yeah. But super excited for Kofi, super excited for Becky. It was an awesome show. Kevin, did you watch? I did not. What? Not, not even a little bit? No. 
Ah, oh, man. But it was a good one. Yeah, no, okay. it was. I didn't realize that 85,000 people showed up at the MetLife Stadium to wow, watch WrestleMania. Man. That's have, bonkers. Have you ever I, been to a WrestleMania? Um, no, I have not. I used to watch a lot of wrestling back in the yeah, day. But me too. I was right no. there. I actually had the good fortune because I was in the games industry that when, you know, they were making uh, the games in the heyday, uh, as I like to call it now. But um, I went to several uh, WrestleManias with THQ who had owned the franchise. And that's when they were working with Ukes and the SmackDown and all those franchises. But uh, they are always a lot of fun. And some of my favorite stories ever actually in the industry came from those trips. Well, I so. guess I'll have to um, put it on my to-do list. Yeah, let's go to WrestleMania. Yeah, I'm down. on the Greg, bucket list take goes. Us. Greg, take <laughs> us with you next yeah, time. Yeah, next time. Please, fingers crossed, uh-huh. don't make us hold down the fort. Let us go to the party. Yeah. Um, all right, so now that we've got all that out of the way, oh, just a quick reminder, Gamescast is live today at youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. We're in it. We're talking about games and stuff. If mm-hmm. you want to check it out, head on over to our YouTube channel or download it. And... For now, let's get into what is and forever will be the Robo Report. It's time for some news. Did I do it too early? No, it's perfect. We've got two items on the Robo Report. A baker's dozen! It's a little bit of a slow news day, so so bear with us. It's kind of nice because that means we get to have a little bit more of a relaxed yeah. conversation. We don't have to really hurry our way through everything. Yeah, and uh, you and I are known to actually um, not have much to say. So Yeah, totally know. not verbose in <laughs> any so way, sure shape, or Form. All right. The first story is from Gama Sutra. Chris Kerr writes, Valve silences Borderlands review bombers with an off-topic fix. Valve has used its new off-topic review bombing countermeasure for the first time to disregard the swath of negative Borderlands users' reviews left on Steam. Last week, those dismayed by 2K's decision to make Borderlands 3 a six-month Epic Game Store exclusive began posting negative user reviews on past Borderlands games on Steam, leaving Borderlands, Borderlands 2, and the pre-sequel with recent ratings of mixed or mostly negative. It was the first real test for Valve since it pledged to curb Steam review bombing by implementing a new off-topic review system that would identify and disregard disingenuous feedback, helping preserve the original scores for affected games. Although it took a while for the company to act, Valve has now marked user reviews for all three games posted between April 3rd and April 8th as off-topic for being largely unrelated to the likelihood that you would enjoy the product. Although users can still see those off-topic reviews if they go digging, they'll no longer affect each title's overall and recent ratings. You can see the system in action by checking out the two pictures below, which you can't see, obviously, because you're listening to the show. Uh, The first shows Borderlands the pre-sequel's user rating as of April 4th, and the second of how it looks in the fix today. So I can pull those numbers up in Mm -hmm. just a second. But essentially, over (laughs) 4,000 fake reviews were eliminated, which is crazy to think that people were so bent out of shape about this that they spent the time to go and review bomb. And review bombing in general to me just seems like, kind of like throw my hands up and go like, why? Like, why? What are you doing with your life? Yeah, it just feels like you have this franchise that you love and you're going to go and attack them by going back to these games that you love and you want more of that game it seems so like contrary to sort of the logical path. Like I get that people are unhappy with the exclusivity um, and we can talk more about the Epic Store stuff and, and what's causing it. But quite frankly, I feel like 
I hate to say it, it's a little cliche, everybody. I feel like this stuff starts to get posted on the internet, on Reddit, on Twitter, and it gets traction, and everybody does this bandwagon crap where they're like, yeah, I'm gonna jump on too. I read some of this stuff, and the amount of comments that I read that said, I think I'm gonna pirate this if they keep it on uh, Epic stores and exclusive. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, what a joke. It's like, I'm gonna fight murder with murder. Like, it's just like, you're not gonna solve anything by doing more stupid stuff. Um, if you want to have an opinion, then that is exactly what social platforms for, or even Reddit, have the discussion there. But going back to a game that is rated overwhelmingly positive, over 90%, or many of these games had very, very high reviews, but um, it definitely grinds my gears. I will say that much. It's just yeah. a big disappointment. And yeah, I want to talk more about like the whole idea that it's, this is just for the PC version, by the way. Right. I mean, well, and the thing <laughs> you that, can buy it on every platform. They, yeah. 2K is bringing it to every platform for starters. So you can buy it on all of them. Okay, we can't get it on Switch, but outside of that. Well, not yet. Okay, anyway. meaning they're, they're <laughs> going through the trouble to develop multiple versions, spending the money, and now you're mad at them because they went with Epic. And the irony is they're mad at Epic, right? I, that's what I've heard mostly, although maybe they're mad at 2K as well. well I, I can't figure some, it out. But. Yeah, I've gotten some people writing to me when I was tweeting about it saying, uh, I understand that the Epic Game Store has very limited features compared to Steam. Oh, yeah. Um, but the thing that I thought kind of... Nothing game-breaking, though. No, absolutely not. Even though some people tried to tell me that there's security issues on the Epic Game Store, which is it's just not... It's been an ongoing issue, but uh, it's which not, that's what Tim Sweeney really to. something that people need to be actively worried about at this point, though, like today, right? No, you're on the internet. My bank has released public information for hundreds of millions of users multiple times. We've been through this. I'm not saying it's excusable when there's data leaks and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Epic has responded to this multiple times about you know how important security is. They don't sell your data. That's what the story gets turned into is, oh, right. I knew it. Epic's selling my data. Like That's not the story. Right. Um, whether or not these leaks that have happened have exposed Fortnite users' data, et cetera. Um, I don't know the exact extent. Like Yet you should be concerned. I'm, prob I'm pretty sure Steam has had issues. I, I actually should have looked that up beforehand. But like either way, meaning you're at risk. Um, I understand the lack of confidence in the platform because it's brand new. And I couldn't agree with that more where it's like controller sports sucks. There's no forums. It is like, it is Spartan to use Tim Sweeney. But does the CEO it need of, to have forums? I mean, I know that there's no, a I'm variety just of issues, one of the many but things. I, controller I, support. Um, yeah. The security, the uh, there's previous games are already all on steam. Now you have to go somewhere else. So I understand the inconvenience of that, but Going back to maybe the word I used moments ago was game breaking. Like, is any of this game breaking? No, you install the game and you can play it. Now, I understand the inconvenience or things aren't quite right, but we end up going through this sometimes with like, you might have to play a game on PlayStation because it has exclusive items. And you're like, yeah, well, I bought Destiny on PlayStation because it has these exclusives. And like, I don't like the controller. Like, frankly, that does suck. When you prefer one controller over another, you're like, I'm kind of pissed off. And I, agree with that. I understand it because it's not a service for everybody. Why can't we have it on Steam, mm -hmm. on uh, Epic and other platforms beyond that? You know, why isn't it available for uh, Linux? Like, <laughs> where do you draw the line? I know that's extreme and not quite one-to-one, -one, but um, anyway, I... I think what Fran and I are trying to say is you're allowed to have your grievances and you're allowed to be upset yeah, that you, it isn't on the platform. Totally. That you want, you get to have feelings and emotions. We would never try to take mm -hmm. those from you. But it's really not cool, bro, if you go and you <laughs> review bomb or you leave false negative impressions online 
purely because you're upset about the platform that the game is being published on. That's not the right way to to go about expressing your opinions because that can really negatively impact the development team. Yeah. And Randy Pitchford, you know, made a statement um, over the weekend on Twitter saying he's going. I mean, this was before Valve pushed the fix yeah. um, for the uh, review bombing and said, listen, if Valve isn't going to actually fix this and do it, you know, quickly, then I'm going to reconsider all Gearbox publishing on Val- on Steam as a platform forever. And that was, I think, a really huge statement from a studio as big as Gearbox because they do have a long history with Steam. And I'm glad Valve, you know, finally got the fire lit under their ass to fix it because this is their primary source of revenue is Steam. So why would you not make it, you know, a priority to help all of the publishers who are helping you know, make a living for you. But yeah, I was finding the quote. He says, uh, ironically that this misuse is possible referring to the review bombing and that steam has no interest. This was at that time days ago in correcting this misuse makes me kind of happy about 2k's decision and makes me want to reconsider Gearbox's publishing, uh, current publishing Gearbox's current posture on that platform. So he was frankly, he was just like really upset. Um, I think it was taking a while for them to fix it. They did correct it though. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, he's uh, cooled down a little bit. I don't think he was serious that he, he didn't want to publish games on steam anymore, but no, like, I think he was just posturing, which it's so I mean, disappointing. It's needed from time to time. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe going back to it, it seems like we're in agreement. Like, do you, like, I like Steam as much as anyone else. I've been using it forever. I have the username that I want on there. I don't like going to a new platform. But um, do you see, like, the need for this discussion? At Like, even take away the review bombing. Do you think that it's a needed discussion to talk about Epic luring developers to a new platform that offers incentive, we didn't get into that, mm-hmm. but monetary incentive to the developer um, and the publisher to make more money off the games um, on a new platform. And that's just business competition, right? I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I, I mean, everybody knows that I don't play games on my PC. I'm mm. predominantly a console player anyway. I so, I mean, take that with a grain of salt if you're like, well, she doesn't play on PC, she doesn't understand. Good I get disclosure. that. I, I think that it's important to remember, though, that we should try to support developers getting more of their own profits instead of the platform taking the profits. Because I think what that does is the trickle down effect of that is that they can offer more support for content for free in post launch and DLC because then they don't have to charge for it. They can hopefully lower prices on titles Mm -hmm. that don't necessarily need to be as expensive because they're making bigger profits. I mean, we saw that with Metro Exodus, right? So 4A and Deep Silver, you know, discounted it on Epic Game Store because they were able to take a larger percentage of the profits. Yep. If we can see more developers doing that, I think that's a good thing, especially when, you know, if you're if it doesn't require you to buy a new piece of hardware, which I think is like the biggest hurdle for a lot of players when it comes to platform exclusivity. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand like why it's such a such a giant hill to climb to just install another launcher on your PC and tell your friends, hey, I just installed this other thing. If you play on your PC or use your PC frequently, you're doing that all the time anyway, right? Yeah, well, it's like these little, there are a lot of little quality of life things, whether it's cloud safe stuff or controls. So I get it. Correct, Again, yeah, but that's to- come. We're not saying anybody's wrong about that. Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic himself said, there is a Spartan feature set with this store. They get it, it does not feature a lot. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a great platform yet, but it's also not broken or bad. But I wanted to segue to this point and bring up that like people aren't talking enough that I've seen about Silver Lining. 
Uh, for starters, actually, there's been a lot of discussion. Um, you know, Francis Boogie uh, over on YouTube has been getting a lot of flack because he's saying, I really, from what I, I can tell, he was really mad that Epic would go and pay someone a bonus to be exclusive to the platform. But that's and again, been happening with exclusives from been happening the for, beginning. Sony does it all the time. <laughs> Sony does it, Nintendo yeah. does now, it, Xbox does it. Literally, they all do it. Spoilers. Yeah. That's right. And is it... <laughs> Uh, sometimes, again, these quality of life things in other places, is it, uh, can it be a disservice to the gamer? Sure, it's not 100% um, gamer forward that you come first. But like at the end of the day, you gotta see the other side is the only point I wanted to make, which is like, this is competition. And Steam has thrived, taking whatever, 30% of those profits. And then there's all the other fees that go along with it, et cetera. Um, and now Epic is bringing that price down to potentially to like 12% or better and um, paying them a bonus. And so you gotta look at the other side, which is they can put more into your games. Maybe these developers also don't have to work 100 hour weeks. You know, and there's that side of it, which we always start talking about. Mm -hmm. Do they make enough? Like you see layoffs happen all the time. Can we talk about the other side, which is Epic has so much money right now that they are willing to put it to, into the developer's hands. And yes, I understand people are afraid of the future that, oh, but what if Epic becomes the end game and now they're in control and that what if they were bad after all? At the end of the day, you see that competition can thrive. So Steam, by the way, Valve has plenty of money. If they want to turn the tables and fight back when the time is right, they will. And that day will probably come soon enough. So just look at the other side, which is developers are now potentially making a lot more money on the platform and Valve needs to rethink how it is servicing everyone just because they were the biggest game in town and the only one that time kind of has to come to an end. So it's a little disruptive right now. And yes, until we have all the features on uh, the Epic store as a new platform, it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but it's also not game breaking. And just try to look at the other side is all that I'm saying. Not that you're wrong to not want cloud saves and, and some of these other features. Well said, Fran. Thank you. All right, moving on to our next story. Developers say accessibility and difficulty options are no threat to artistic vision. This write-up comes from Eurogamer and is from Wesley Yinpool. And he writes, Accessibility and difficulty options are no artistic threat to vision, video game developers have said. Responding to an ongoing debate about video game accessibility sparked by From Software's Sekiro, most which most agree is a particularly challenging game, God of War director Corey Barlog tweeted, Accessibility has never and will never be a compromise to my vision. This tweet was picked up by many other video game developers who agreed with Barlog. J.P. Kellams, former creative producer at Platinum Games, insisted Bayonetta's one-button mode, quote, didn't ruin your experience. His tweet, having a one-button mode, easy automatic, and Bayonetta didn't make getting pure platinum any easier. It didn't ruin your experience. It did make myself and others on the team receive many comments from new Bayonetta fans who could never have otherwise enjoyed the game. Steven Spawn, the COO of Able Gamers and friend of the show, praised video game developers' support of accessibility, fueling a popular hashtag that spread on Twitter over the weekend. He said, game devs from across the world are echoing Cory Bollock's statement, accessibility has never and will never be a compromise to my vision. This is a beautiful thing, I believe he meant to say. If you work in game development, add your voice, let gamers know that you support accessibility. The debate around Sekiro involves some who say adding accessibility and difficulty options to the video games can compromise the vision of their creators. Sekiro, which does not have an easy mode or assist, has become the battleground for this debate, although it's been a point of contention with From Software's titles for years. Matt Thorson, designer of Celeste, imagined a Celeste-style assist mode for Sekiro that would let you combat speed, resurrections, and invincibility, among other things. He tweeted, if Sekiro had a Celeste-style assist mode with 
combat speed at 50 to 100 percent sets the game speed while enemies are aggroed resurrection resurrections plus one or infinite invisible while sneaking infinite posture and invisible while drinking gourd or always um, important elements of assist modes for hard games in my opinions are activated only from the main menu per save file so it's invisible to people playing without it has a clear explanation of what it is up front and once active you can adjust assist options during gameplay at will a number of video games have been praised in recent years for their accessibility options. Insomniac Spider-Man's PS4, for example, you can skip puzzles, enable big subtitles, QTE, autocomplete, and change button taps to hold. Naughty Dog's Uncharted 4 also has an impressive suite of accessibility options, including holding down the square button to have Nathan Drake keep on punching. Elsewhere, there's an option to have the camera snap to a target, face the direction of a target, and making Uncharted 4 playable without the right thumbstick. Naughty Dog designers were inspired in part by Disabled Accessibility for Gaming Entertainment Rating System, Editor-in-Chief Josh Straub, who was frustrated by his inability to finish Uncharted 2 because near the end, you have to tap buttons quickly in a quick-time event. Um, if you guys want to see all of these quotes and see all of these tweets, I definitely urge you to go to Eurogamer.net. It's just right there on their homepage. And the reason I wanted to bring this up um, after the raging debates that happened last week was that I think it's important to get the developer's perspective because I feel like when we go into some of these debates and read people's comments, there's a lot of people out there that are assuming developers have to make their games a specific way or want their vision to be a specific way. So I thought it was pertinent to hear from the actual creatives on their opinions on accessibility in their game. So I thought that this was really interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I thought uh, it's worth noting that Corey Barlog had come back um, and he clarified that he, while he feels this way, he wasn't condemning from software. He said, you right. know, like I leave it to them to have, it's their creative vision and he supports that. And I think that's the conversation that we were defending last week and I mm -hmm. still would defend, which is, this accessibility conversation needs to be had. Uh, but if the developer truly has considered that and this is their vision, then we shouldn't necessarily condemn them for it. But I would turn the table back and it's really nice to see that this has thoughtfully elevated the accessibility discussion, which I definitely feel like, I don't know, like if it does happen enough, it's good to see that it's made it into some of these games. I don't have to look at these features as much, but I think if you look through a lot of games and I hear it sometimes from folks that come into my chat, there's like a lot of basic accessibility features that can go missing or don't work right. Even little things like colorblind mode or um, I have uh, one viewer who has uh, nerve damage that I've mentioned before and like something as simple as an auto run changes his ability to play the game. And so he's fortunate enough that that's one thing that can help him. But um, where I'm going with this is I hope developers can look at the, the little things to start with. What are the sort of basic little things? And the uh, auto run is an example of something I've heard so much now. And I'm like, wow, I never thought of that. Just the ability to tap one thing and navigate forward without uh, having to like control forever can be like a huge game changer. And obviously there's a lot more that goes into it. Things like one button modes and that, but um. I'm very happy to hear that uh, the developers are coming out. Who can say it better than us rather right. than creative directors? So uh, I think it's great that they've come out of the woodwork and are um, looking at Sekiro and saying like, oh, here's how I would do it. I thought that was a really cool way to approach yeah, it. Yeah, Matt Thorson's tweets in particular, because I think Celeste was really universally praised for its accessibility and its assist modes. And um, what I loved about it is at the very beginning of the game, there's this screen that just says, you can do this and really encourages mm. you to, to play the game as intended. And I, 
and obviously it plays into the wider theme of what that that game's narrative is all about. But I think that if you know more developers took inspiration from what they did mm-hmm. with Celeste, just like he's saying here about having like infinite posture or invisible while sneaking, invincible while doing these things, he's like, you know, you make that you know something you have to go into the menus and pick. You don't make it the default. Mm-hmm. He's like, so that way players never have to see those options if they're not interested. I think that that's a, a really nice compromise, but I 100% agree with you. Like nobody needs to be condemned for their creative decisions. It's their creative product, but we all just would like and hope that next time, you know, maybe they would look at ways to broaden that experience so that more people can enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do think there's absolutely the other side though, which is, I don't know, I, I've been into the menus, but I don't know what, if any, uh, accessibility features that Sekiro has. It doesn't. It yeah, doesn't and like that that says something, mm-hmm. which is like, maybe you haven't addressed it enough. Whether or not it was the quote unquote easy mode stuff, the the lack of just features period doesn't, you know, look good in have you thought about it. So, you know, hopefully it's resonated with from software. I'm sure that it has. It, it, there's no way that it didn't uh, make their radar. So I think that is, you know, again, see the positive side is that, um, we were able to have this discussion. You're entitled to it. You went to the right places. You didn't review bomb Scaro that I've heard about, right? And <laughs> it made it back to From Software in the right way. And now the developers are stepping in from other platforms and supporting it, um, which is really great to see. So, uh, yeah. Indeed. But when will From Software's next game happen and will it have accessibility? The future can only hold. But, Fran, if people wanted to know what was coming to Mom and Grab Shops today, where would they go? It's so far away whenever I'll beat Lady Butterfly. <laughs> the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by Kind of Funny host every day here on Kind of Funny Games Show Tilly. Wow. Oh my gosh, Fran, I'm do so you wanna sick. Do, you Let me do, do it over? again. Do you want to do over? Guys, I don't feel good. As soon as I start talking this much, my body starts like fade. You can hear it, I think. Yeah. The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Out today, Ghost 1.0 on PS4, Assault of the Robots on PC, Magic Farm 2 Fairylands on PC, Hotel Mogul Las Vegas on PC, 30 Days to Survive is out on PC, and Jungle Z is out on Switch. New dates... Valhalla, a cyberpunk bartender action, the bosom up about waifus, technology, and post-dystopia <laughs> life, which has sold more than 300,000 copies on Steam from, I think that's Wisebird Games? I don't know how to say that. Yeah. And developer Sukubon Games will open for business on May 2nd for PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch. So if you wanted to play the cyberpunk bartender action game... Yeah. You know what's interesting about this? Well, and uh, clarification, you said waifus technology, which is true. It's waifus, waifus comma, comma technology, technology, but it also, maybe it is about the waifus waifu technology. technology. Yeah. Waifu technology. It's coming to you in a store <laughs> near you. Um, last week we had something interesting. It was uh, called Space Chef. Wasn't that, were you here for that one, Kevin? Space I don't, Chef. I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Space well, chef. there was a game coming out called Space Chef. I think that's what it oh, was. Oh, wait, you know what? I was. Wasn't that it was, called Space no, Chef? No, it was like All-Star Space Chef. It was still like. Space Chef. And like, what would you think that that's about? Like, Star, uh, Star Chef. Star Chef, that's oh. it. Well, See, I screwed the joke so up. So Star Chef, I would imagine, is like Star a celebrity chef, chef where they yeah, make okay. meals for famous that's what people. It is. it is? See, it was Star Chef, and I was on with uh, uh, Witta, and we both, our minds went to like, it was a cyber space. space. Mm. Like, and then now we want that game, so... 
anyway, just occurred to me. Maybe somebody will make it someday. Cyberpunk bartender's coming close to that. So we're getting <laughs> getting closer to Indeed. the Space Chef, which is the next big game. Um, deals of the day, I believe, Fran, you found somewhere. Yeah. Um, Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, that's right. It's 33% off on Amazon for PS4 and Xbox One. So it's like about, I think it's about 40 bucks. So if you've been waiting to maybe pick up Kingdom Hearts or been thinking about it, now might be a good time because 33% off is a pretty big um, discount. Indeed. All right, now it's time for Reader Mail, where you can write into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, and you can also get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by... Hymns. You haven't heard us talking about, you have heard us talking about hymns and how they're helping guys look their best. If you haven't yet, it's time to see what they're all about. 66% of men start to lose their hair by age 35. And once you've noticed thinning, it can be too late. The best way to prevent more hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some. It's time to get a handle on those precious locks. I ask you, do you want a bald spot to pop up or your hairline to recede? Or do you want to do something about it first? Do something about it first. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that was a right question Thanks, for us, Kevin. <laughs> yes, let's do something about it first. Why do guys turn to weird solutions or do nothing when they can turn to medicine and science? Forhims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, sexual wellness for men. Hims is helping guys be the best version of themselves with licensed physicians and an FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. No snake oil pills or gas station countertop supplements. Prescription solutions backed by science. No more awkward in-person doctor's visits or long pharmacy lines. Hims connects you to real doctors online, which could save you hours. Completely confidential and discreet. Get the hair loss treatment everyone is talking about. Andy uses it. Nick uses it. Apparently Nick is still stealing Andy's gummies. That's the word around the office. I'm sure he is. Have you tried those gummies, Kevin? Are they delicious? delicious. Give me Ooh, some. I want good. some. I kind of want gummies, but I feel like locks. I shouldn't be taking a- any more of Andy's gummies. Hams <laughs> <laughs> has been featured in GQ, Men's Health, Esquire, and Playboy, to name a few. And Kind of Funny Games Daily listeners can get started with the Hims Complete Hair Kit for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. And of course, subject to doctor's approval. See website for full details and safety information. This could cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or pharmacy or somewhere else. Go to forhimscom slash games daily. That's F O R H I M S dot com slash games daily for hims.com slash games daily next up harry's harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. they knew a great shave doesn't come from gimmicks like vibrating heads flex balls or handles that look like spaceships tactics that the leading brand has used to raise prices for decades they fixed that by combining a simple clean design with quality durable blades at a fair price harry's bought a world-class blade factory in germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years that's a long time they've received over 20,000 five-star reviews on trustpilot and google and harry Harry's replacement cartridges are just two bucks each. That's half the price of Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. And if you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Plus, Tim has used them to keep his beard neat and tight. He loves that they're delivered to him and he never has to worry about remembering to get new razors before a trip. He loves the convenience. Get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, a weighted ergonomic handle, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Listeners of Games Daily can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash games daily. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash Games Daily, join the 10 million who have tried Harry's and claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash games daily and let them know we sent you to support the show. All right, Fran. First up, we've got Saucy Biscuit. Reader Mail. 
What's good, KFGD crew? With the rumors of a Nintendo Direct coming at the end of the week, what do you think we will see? There is no doubt the last big Direct we get before E3. Um, this, There's no doubt this is the last big Direct we get before E3, but there's still a lot to show. Animal Crossing and Pokemon seem to be the two biggest releases for the year for them. And while those will get the E3 spotlight, but that still leaves the likes of Luigi's Mansion 3, Link's Awakening, Town, and Super Mario Maker 2. Maybe you guys can summon the spirit of Tim to help make some assumptions. Stay groovy, everyone. Saucy Biscuit. Oh, man. Um, hmm. <clears throat> yeah, we could use Tim here for this one. I'm going to say that maybe Super Mario Maker might make more of an appearance because we got just the trailer last time, right? Um, so maybe, maybe we'll get to see a little more of what's to come on that. Um, but I don't know. Like, do we really think they're going to announce... I mean, they always announce big new stuff. That's or true. new stuff, I should say. It's, it's, it's hard, hard to, to predict the, the future. You know, like we didn't see a Game Boy Color game, you know, Link's Awakening coming back. It, it would be a very hard one to predict. Yeah. Um, unless we were on the, the rumor mills. But um, maybe starting with, do we think it'll be of the quality of the last one? Do we think it'll be ramping up towards E3 or it'll be kind of a softer one before, you know, heading into E3? Yeah, I would guess it would probably be a softer one heading into E3, knowing that they're probably going to save their bigger announcements because we're not that far away. We're what? Two, yeah, we're really only two months, months away. It's pretty much two months, yeah. um, which is kind of wild to think about and also very exciting. Mm, um, I scary. If I had to make a guess, I would think that Pokemon is going to be their tentpole E3 title because the last couple of years they've picked one big title to focus on. Last year was Smash, the year before was Breath of the Wild. So I think maybe this year will, will be yeah. Pokemon. So they'll probably Agreed. like do a bunch of deep dives on uh, the new Pokemon at E3. Animal Crossing may be a reveal, and then they follow this up week, with additional information. Uh, I don't I think they're going to hold that one for E3 at this you point. You think so? It's just such a big one. But, I mean, you never know in Nintendo. I just personally wouldn't expect to see Animal Crossing until E3. I don't know why. That's just how I feel. I feel yeah. like, it, for whatever reason. You are allowed to feel that I'm way, very friend. skeptical. Do you yeah. think that they're going to maybe show more uh, Labo VR stuff? I know that they did a soft that, PR beat around it, but maybe well, was, they'll do like a, another like, hey, here's a maybe we'll get a look at what maybe these Mario vignettes would, in VR are supposed to look like. I was thinking maybe that because it is what April twelfth, um, which is when it comes out, and so I don't know if uh, all those games are coming out then. So maybe we'll get a look at more support that's coming for it. And yeah, like it actually that makes sense because the timing's good. They really only released like a quick little trail and it's, uh, you know, a pre-order page and stuff, but, like, maybe this will be a chance for them to truly, like, show a bit more on that. Um, Trying to think what else might come out there. Like, um, the Joker stuff in Smash, that's later, right? Um, but there is, like, the whole uh, Smash Brothers persona stuff that we still are waiting on. Uh, it was supposed to be in April, though, so is that coming maybe this week? Potentially. What do you think about yeah. Bane at a three? Oh, that, um, maybe. That's a good point. That one could maybe come around. I'm personally excited to see more about that game. Oh, yeah. But we haven't really heard anything or I think seen that's got anything a decent about it. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, there's certainly a case to be made that they would want to hold that for E3, but I would say maybe not, because if they're going to double down on Pokemon, maybe they want to get a title like Bayonetta out ahead of that, since those are two, like, very different audiences. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm starting to think about, is this the, unless they... 
Well, well worth worth mentioning. That, know what I'm thinking about? Yeah, just for sure though. The persona. I think April 25th, which is the whole big day for everything. That was more. There's supposed to be more persona. Maybe switch stuff happening then. That's a rumor. Um, so I would think maybe they would wait for the Smash stuff towards them. But I don't, I don't know. Well, it's possible that we could hear Smash news because um, there was a hint from Sakurai oh, yeah? as to when Joker is going to be dropping during his Famitsu Awards speech. Mm. So over at DualShockers, they wrote that during the Famitsu Awards ceremony, Super Smash Bros. director Masahiro Sakurai stated that Super Smash Bros. Ultima DLC fight character Joker from Atlas's Persona 5 <laughs> will be, quote, coming soon. The phrase caught by Twitter user Push Justin was also used when he spoke about Mewtwo during a Nico Nico interview back in 2015. So, and if you guys remember, Mewtwo was released in April. So maybe Joker is going, maybe it's going to be the reveal of, of Joker. We'll see some Joker gameplay. Yeah, actually, that, no, I walk it back. Like, that would be pretty good timing. Build, you know, some Persona hype. We've been waiting for this one forever. We know that it's coming. And they did say like springtime and I thought April. And then now you have these rumors that in a few weeks from now it could be announced in full for Switch. So maybe um, this will be sort of the first stage of that happening. It's like, okay, finally we're going to show you Joker, Smash, and then a few weeks from now, you know, we're going to see hopefully Persona on Switch, which is the Don't rumor. Don't hold your breath. Still a rumor. Don't hold now your breath. Now it's good rumor, Andrea. <laughs> That's um, a good rumor, Fran. I don't deny you that. Yeah, no, it's um, looking I good still, like, I still believe that if Persona 5 is coming to Switch in any way, it's not going to be the Persona 5 that was released on PS4. That's it's going to be a different version. So mm -hmm. we'll That's see. That's what a lot of people keep saying, but... Um, upgraded, maybe. But yeah, so hopefully this gives you a little bit to chew on. Um, I would like to see Luigi's Mansion 3. Um, I'm not really... I, I think Super Mario Maker is going to be held for E3 as well. Um, I really think now that we've kind of seen this hint from Sakurai that I completely forgot about until I, I mm -hmm. checked for it, like that's probably what it's going to be. Yeah, Smash. I mean, <clears throat> did we know when Luigi's Mansion might come out yet? Did they say that? Because um, it was revealed, it looks like, back in September... Now would be, you know, we're talking over six months later, would be a good time to show a little more. But that would only be if it's coming soon. Maybe that's it, actually. You, uh, you know, a release date? We're dancing around it, but yeah, maybe we'll get the release date on that one. Um, so, I mean, again, it's like there's there are a lot of options now, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to Switch. I do think there's also the non, you know, first party Nintendo stuff. There's a lot of stuff out there that we're potentially going to see, you know, Borderlands 3 announcement. No, um, probably not that one. But uh, we could see on that side, right, like some big stuff happening. Um you know, Apex, right? Like, I, again, I don't think that stuff's going to happen, but... Um, Keep dreaming, Fram. <laughs> hey, stranger things have happened. I mean, Fort, when Fortnite was, like, huge on that platform and came to it, it runs great. Um, that's a completely different engine and beast, and I'm not predicting that we'll see Apex this week, but... I don't know, it sounded like you were. I was not, but the point is, <laughs> okay. there's a lot of these other, you know, big third-party games that uh, could be on the list, so I think, I think I've gone from earlier this year to be a little... Like, what do they have? I'm getting a little more momentum and excitement. Obviously, Animal Crossing, almost above all, is what I'm waiting to see. Yes. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll go from here. I think you are not alone there, Fran. Everyone's yep. holding 
their breath waiting for Animal Crossing. All right, next question. What's good, Frandria? So ever since <laughs> the game came out, all everyone at Kind of Funny wants to talk about is the Division 2, writes Ignacio Rojas. Oh, and Ignacio. I get it. You love the game. But I want what I want to know is why, after so many hours, do you still love the game? Personally, I stopped after a week at level 8 because I realized how repetitive the game was. Just go here, fight a group, go forward, fight another group, go forward, fight another group, and on and on. <laughs> Do you not find the game repetitive or is it the repetitive gameplay that draws you in? Anyways, keep up being the most awesome people at Kind of Funny and Fran, your hair looks great today. Thank you. You wrote that question before I was on the show today, though. So he I did. Don't, but good prediction. <laughs> you should predict it, Nintendo Direct. It. You know all. <laughs> and by the way, I want to apologize. I'm like going downhill on the show here. No, I think. it's okay. So well, let me start then today. if you need to collect yourself. So I yeah. am very excited to announce that I uh, was playing quite a bit over the weekend with the agents of WGG, and I'm now at gear score 493. Um, so creeping I'm like 501 or like yeah. you're there that is the end game yeah know? so I'm, I'm pretty pumped I've done a bunch of invaded missions done the invaded strongholds I think the thing that keeps me coming back to the game is the little tidbits and the secrets that I keep finding so yesterday I decided to log on by myself because normally I'm running with the clan um, and I just like I'm just gonna walk around and try to find collectibles and maybe try to find some uh, dyes for my gear and just kind of like look mm -hmm. at stuff and and what I really am appreciating in those quiet moments of the Division Two is the attention to detail. Yeah, it's, and it's nuts. Like I was just wandering through, and I <clears throat> saw this thing on the map. It was an echo, and then so I was like, "Oh, how am I supposed to get to that echo?" Yeah. And I spent a couple minutes like running around the building until finally I looked up at the right time and saw like one of those buckets that drops the line that you can carabine yeah. up. And I was like, oh man, that's so cool. And so like I shot it down and then the rope falls and I go up there and the, it's like this little hideout. You can shoot those down? Yeah, yeah. you can. Whoa. And um, and like there was the an echo that showed this woman in, interacting with some members of, of Black Tusk, like presumably before the invasion. Um, and it was just like such great little tidbits of world building that I find so fascinating about that game. And it has so many of these hidden areas. Like once you start to think about how dense it's, Washington DC is, like there's so much of that game we haven't seen yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, what I wanted to say was Division Two, like many games, of course, it's kind of a forehead comment, but you're gonna like it for different reasons. And that's what's, it always has struck me across all games, but certainly this one, like Greg doesn't play it for the same reasons that I play it. Greg loves, I think, the grittiness and the world like you're talking about, and he loves squatting up and that feeling of just being this character in this really amazingly detailed world. And he goes in and he gets some sweet new loot, and he's in and out, like, I don't think he cares as much about me. I'm out here trying to get super specific into the builds. You know, you get into call it the spreadsheet management side of, yeah. I don't have a spreadsheet right now, but you frankly need one to do really powerful builds. Um, and for me, what I can say is, um, I appreciate all of it. One, I like kind of just jumping into the division and shooting some folks up and getting in and out. But what I will say is for me, that could get repetitive. It may not be for you if that's all that you take from it where I start to really sink my teeth in and get excited is when I start realizing what the earned power is. And let me tell you, at level eight, uh, Ignacio, you haven't seen anything. And all I mean by that is the strongholds. Um, once you make it to the strongholds and the challenging side of them, as you get up into the world tiers, things start to get serious. So what happens is at level 30, the world changes with the enemies that are in it. Um, 
And that changes the way that you have to fight people. So now you're in these really highly skilled fights. And so you have to put your mind to it and think about how you're going to fight back and all the skills you use and like how you play. So that's the big difference is if you just run in and you like, you know, play and spray, like you can do that, but you don't really have to think about your skills. And that's what I like about it. That's what draws me back is I'm out here right now, by the way, I did a, a build and I'm working on it with my LMG. And I have this Ooh, LMG. LMGs are so good. So I have, I'll give you an example of the type of stuff that excites me. It's a high magazine LMG, but it happened to come with a 20% perk on it. So now I have 120 in the mag. And what? What's the perk? Uh, it's that's uh, just 20% extra magazine capacity. It, it can drop. Yeah. You'll, so it's confusing. Sometimes you get the same gear and you're like, if you're not careful, you'll see the mag size jump sometimes because it comes with that perk and a roll. Um, so first of all, it has that. And secondly, I applied um, this perk I'd been looking at for a while. It's called steady handed. Oh, I was just talking about this last night. So I applied it to 120 oh. mag LMG. So just think of how long it takes to get through an entire case. Uh, then on top of it, what Steady Handed does is it starts to stabilize with shots that you hit, but then it hits a certain- It stacks, right? So yeah, it stacks, but then after you hit max stack of that perk, it has a potential to refill the magazine. So I have had instances where I've put uh, over 200 rounds into these high level enemies. Oh, it feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> when you run into those situations, because they, they do react, and that's yeah. another side of this game that you know I could go on for hours, as you know. The AI in this game is pretty darn good. They even like talk about what's happening. Like, I'll be out there healing Andrew. They're like, get him, they're healing, and like she's using a med pack. Yeah, and vice versa. <laughs> they will heal each other. Um, they yeah. use the abilities that you use. That's what the more advanced has to be. So that's that side of it, but but if you don't like the whole like duck and cover behind shooting, like it's just not gonna be for you. And by the way, you're not wrong. And maybe you also don't just like exploring a gritty world. Maybe you want space fantasy, and I know those people, but those are the things that draw me to it. And I feel in some ways it can be easily underappreciated is all I will say. Because yes. it looks like Division One, And at a glance, you're like, well, you know, you just like go in, you shoot stuff. And I, I see a lot more to it than that. Um, Kevin, do you have thoughts? Yeah, my favorite thing is like playing with you guys because yeah, it's, it's so much up. fun. To, like, yeah, it'd be like nine o'clock at home, like yelling about like, oh, he's around the corner. Somebody help me. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, like, playing. Me, yeah. Playing in a squad is uh, alone, and you know we've run into that in Destiny, which we both love as well. Some people just love playing with friends, whether it's the Crucible or something else, and there's something to the polish that these games bring, and just hopping in for an hour and playing with friends. Um, so Ignacio, I don't know if you've tried that, but you know maybe give that a shot. You own the game already, clearly, so give it another shot is what I would say. Yeah, and I would maybe focus on doing side missions and story missions, and if you need to, to fast travel as much as you can throughout the world, if those random encounters as you're walking the streets of DC are bothersome to you because um, I think once you get higher level and you start getting more invested in your gear and you start building more on the the really deep RPG system that's yeah. within the division two um, it might hook you a little bit more and then you'll see the reason why all of us really love the game so much yeah and I was gonna say make some people do like playing it solo but don't make the mistake if it feels a little like repetitive or vacant if you haven't tried matchmaking because you don't you know if you're like I don't I don't even have anyone that plays in my time zone try just hitting that matchmaking button and you'd be surprised like you don't have to be on comms and people 
have learned to play, you know, uh, with each other without having comms on. And you'd be surprised. You'll be getting like heals and everything from enemies, you know, that they'll be helping you out. And you're like, whoa, like, this is, I feel like I'm on the team even without comms. So make sure to give that a shot as well. I, I found a lot of enjoyment in that. Yeah. And don't forget, you've got the best friends. If you need to squat up, I know that you're in the chat right now and you're <laughs> always in the Discord or, um, or in the in the subreddit. So, I mean, squat up with some folks. That's Have right. some fun, Ignacio. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Our final question for today is from Eric Myers. What's up, Fran and Andrea? Over the last week, I've seen a lot of talk that if Borderlands 3 comes out and is too similar to 1 and 2, then that's just simply not enough. My question is... As simple as it is, though, is why? With most people nowadays complaining about games as services at launch not having a lot of content, is it really not enough to launch a game with a ton of stuff to do that will still be supported for a number of years on top of all the base content? Also, I promise I'm not Randy Pitchford writing in disguise. I just enjoy games as they are. <laughs> Thank you for your time, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I get this discussion. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation about what Borderlands 3 was going to bring and what it will bring. So on one side of it, we don't know everything about it yet. True. There's a gameplay reveal, I believe, on May 1st. Um, so it's coming. But at a minimum, I will say, I have not played Borderlands really yet. So <laughs> for starters, that's a bit of a, a gap for me. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit of it. That's happened twice on the show now that I've had that uh, alarm go off. But um, anyway, that is a bit of a gap for me to say, like, look, Borderlands 2 is amazing, which it's got overwhelmingly positive reviews. And like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But I think there's a bunch of people who will be happy with that, because as we we're just talking about the Division 2 and Destiny, I know firsthand the grind that you get in games like that. And if that's where you want Borderlands 3 to go... I don't know, it can be really daunting. Mm -hmm. So there's something to this other side, which is just like, just group up, squat up, and um, enjoy Borderlands as it always has been. So I don't know, did, did you play a lot of Borderlands? I can't remember. Oh yes, I've played all of the Borderlands games multiple times. Yeah, you've uh, really, really love the franchise. It's one of my favorite franchises. And I am also of the mindset that they don't need to reinvent the wheel with Borderlands 3. I would like them to, you know, polish it up a little bit, add some new features, which it sounds like they're doing, but I don't want them to overhaul the style of gameplay that is Borderlands. Yeah, what I would ask you then is like, would you want to see it go the way of, because uh, it's got a ton of loot, but yes. would you want to see it go the way of Division or Destiny where you have these weekly and daily things to do and you've got all these other elements? As long as they're adding that on top of what they've already done, because what I love about Borderlands and why I think it's like the de facto looter shooter of video games is that it never feels like I'm missing out on guns that my friends are picking up. And I'm so glad they announced huh. that they're doing individual loot streams for co-op play, by the yeah. way, which is such a nice change. Because before, uh, like, loot would drop. If it drops, and you it's would, like, like whoever gets it gets it. That's... <laughs> I read that and I was like, are you kidding me? That's how it used I to mean, work? I mean, yeah, we used to fight over guns sometimes. Oh my gosh. Even though there's a billion. Yes. <laughs> but I think like any shooter, you figure out the style of guns you like, the perks that you like. I am an elemental player. I love doing elemental guns, for example. Um, and so what I would like to see is them to add in reasons for me to log in every every day or every week but I, I don't I'm not sure how they would accomplish that because Borderlands is such a narrative focused game and to add that stuff in 
you know, they would have to be, you know, cautious to make sure that they're not, that those are like siloed experiences that mm -hmm. don't interrupt the overall narrative progression of the main campaign. Right. So will they try to tailor and adapt the game to be a live service game? I have to imagine they will. Yeah. It's all the rage yeah. <laughs> these days. Um, but I hope that they don't, you know, change what's so wonderful and fantastic about the gameplay of Borderlands because yeah. it's just so good. Yeah, and it doesn't look that way. I think that's probably the biggest reaction people are having that I've seen is it really does look like what you'd expect. And I think um, sometimes when it's been that long, you expect this big reinvention, mm -hmm. but they sort of said, no, we're like tripling down on what we've done and we're going to, you know, now give you a billion guns and like improve all the features that we had before. And, you know, we don't know what else is out there because, you know, there's more gameplay and features to be seen, but I don't have a problem based on, yeah. you know, the overwhelmingly positive experiences and how much people love it as much as, you know, you're talking about it right now. Like, it seems like it's already in really good shape to build on what they already have without, um, breaking it or mixing yeah. it up too much. The but. one feature I would love for them to add, because I think it would fit so perfectly in this world, is raids. Because mm. the mm. way that you think about vault hunting and going into these vaults and you can squad up, I think it would be, Borderlands would be a perfect opportunity to add raids into the franchise, Borderlands 3, what I about mean. about PvP? Is there uh, much? Um, I think with the way that the, um, skill system works in Borderlands, that would be really challenging for them to add in unless they do a mode where, you know, they kind of strip away your skill progression and mm. you get like to pick one skill. I have really no desire for PVP in Borderlands like at all, but raids, I'm down for it. Two words for you. Mm -hmm. Borderlands Royale. Randy Pitchford think? got on stage at <laughs> PAX East and said it's it? not happening. No. He's like, we love Battle Royale games. That's not what we're making. Yeah. So don't hold your too. breath. I'm sure some fans were like, Ugh. they like cringed when I said it. But like, it is all the rage as well. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I feel like in, in first person shooters, there's always a really good opportunity to do PVP. Um, so I wouldn't mind if it's missing based on what I've heard. And, you know, I do plan to play all the Borderlands. So I'll have a much firmer opinion going into the summer. But, um, I don't know, when you have a good shooter with fun guns and style, like I think there's always room for PvP. So I actually hope that they are looking at that. Um, as long as it does I not I detract. I don't. And that, no, I haven't even played no PvP, it, so please. who am I to say? <laughs> um, but we'll see. My gut tells me that it's got, it's got a clever place in the world somehow, somewhere, because it's a first person shooter with clever guns. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your questions, everybody. Don't forget, if you want to submit questions, head on over to patreon.com slash kind of funny games. And now it's time to squad up. Randy Brunet, Brunette uh, is playing on PS4 as Rando Commando H6. And he says, I'm looking for PSN friends in general, but I also just grabbed Borderlands Game of the Year edition and the Handsome Jack collection. I largely play alone, and that's not as fun for those games. I am East Coast Boston area, so I couldn't make it to PAX Andrea. Don't worry about that. And I play mostly at night, and it would be cool to play with some kind of funny best friends. I'm also starting to play Bloodborne and Path of Exile and still jump into Modern Warfare Remastered if people would like to play those too. Again, Rando Commando H6 on PS4. All right, you now it's time? time, Fran, to go to your wrong. This is where folks watching live at twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. Keep us honest by going to kindoffunny.com slash your wrong. What mm -hmm. did we screw up today, Fran? I'm not seeing anything huge yet, but one uh, note, Lord of Pwn confirmed that Mario Maker 2 comes out in June, apparently. I didn't realize it was oh, already that soon. So, so then maybe they would kinda, be in this one. Yeah, it, it would make sense to show more about it. So I think that, all right, maybe we got that. You're right. Write that mm. in. Try that. 
kindoffunny.com slash your right. See where that goes. Um, what else? Uh, oh, this is kind of interesting. Lord Upon also says Borderlands 3 can be played offline and therefore would not qualify as a live game or a live service game. That's Yeah, but that's not to say they couldn't have that. Have you know, that as features a mode? Features in those yeah. modes, yeah. And it doesn't look like we got anything else yeah, I too think that's wrong it. on that. Uh, well, Borderlands has had minor PvP, sort of. You have to melee hit someone oh, on your yes. team to challenge I've done this. them. The duels. That's not PvP. Well, that, that's just a way to like fuck okay. around in the game, let's be honest. <laughs> that's not true PvP and you know it. But I appreciate that, Tagless. Minor PvP, said Tagless. <laughs> so to be fair, said it was minor. All right, well, that will do it for this day's episode. Tomorrow's hosts are me and Greg. On Wednesday, it's Greg and Gary. On Thursday, it's me and Greg. And on Friday, Tim is back. Thank you so much to everybody for tuning in to Kind of Funny Games Daily. You can find us again at youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames on podcast services around the globe and, of course, on twitch.tv. Fran, I hope you feel better. Get some rest. Drink lots of fluids. I will. It's been our pleasure to serve. Bye, everybody. Virtual handshake. Oh. No, you gotta, it's like, (laughs) 